Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. Hey, uh, flowing straight from that, 500 years ago, most of you will know, was the Reformation. And in the Reformation, for some of you maybe who haven't read about the Reformation or don't know what the Reformation was, the Reformation was a reforming of Christianity as the world knew it, the Western world knew it in that day. And um, at the time, Martin Luther, who was a, a priest and he was very learned and he loved theology and, and he was going to go up the ranks through uh, at that time in Europe, Catholicism was the predominant religion and all throughout Europe and the UK, um, Christianity was expressed generally through Catholicism. And so we really had one, one form. Yes, there were pockets of, of others, but I'm just generalizing here. And so if, if we try and think of that today, put ourselves into that framework, it was just one set. Uh, if you wanted to be a, uh, a minister, you had to go through the, the process of going through the Catholic Church and go through all the different ordinations and go through their study and their ways. And so it was only really one set way of becoming like God, if you like, or one set way of forming a true religion at that time. And it was very strict and it was very dominating. And in a lot of ways, there was a lot of excesses. And um, even in the church, there was huge amount of excesses and the priests had a lot of power. And they, uh, in some cases, wrongly wielded that power. And people uh, were forced to pay for forgiveness. If they'd, if they'd sinned, uh, they used to uh, allow what's called indulgences, which means if you've sinned, you can pay off your sin and bring something to the church or to the priests. And you can basically bribe your way out of sin. And so there was a lot of doctrine that was not Christianity. It was not godly. It was not what Jesus taught. It wasn't what Scripture taught. There was a lot of confusion. And so I'm setting the framework for the fact that um, in that time in the West, in Europe, UK, religion wasn't healthy. And so along came, and there was a few others before him uh, as well. It wasn't just Martin Luther, but God had been stirring some people along the way. But Martin Luther was the one who was the real loudspeaker and came and said, enough is enough. We've got to change this thing. It's not working. It's not the gospel. And so he came and he taught about how every believer should be able to read the Word of God. See, they only read it in Latin and the peasants couldn't understand Latin. So the, the general people of the day would come to church, they're speaking Latin, and it's like, hang on, we don't speak Latin. But, but that was the spiritual language, was actually pride. And so they, again, they would, they would wield it over the people that they are the ones who can interpret Scripture. They've done the theology degrees. They've done the training. They've done the hard yards. And so only Scripture can be interpreted through priests. And so what, what happened in that kind of mindset is uh, a real authoritarian and elitism almost in Christianity that just wasn't healthy. It wasn't the gospel. Martin Luther comes along and really, uh, you know, uh, well, in one sense, he, he 
the, the famous day is when he went with his 95 thesis. It was 95 um, concepts and, and things that he found uh, that need to be reinstated into the church or things that were wrong. And so you can read the 95 thesis. I've done a couple of times, actually. It's pretty wordy. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. But he nailed that on the door at Wittenberg. And, and so history really has a lot to say about that. But that was the day when he really stood his ground and said, I'm not going to stand for this any longer. We need to take a lot of the power playing out of the church and put the gospel back in the hands of everyone, everyone, everyone who wants to believe, everyone who wants to believe scripture can read scripture. And so he started printing, printing Bibles in German. That was the language in his country. And so a lot of people could all of a sudden read scripture for themselves. The power slipped from here, from the pulpit out into the congregation. And so people began to awaken to the truth of the gospel and scripture and et cetera, et cetera. Why do I say all that? I say all that to say that the phrase that came out of the Reformation was, it's meant to be a priesthood of all believers. It's not meant to be a priesthood of a few men who stand up here in nice white shirts, a new white shirt this week, do you like it? And just say some fancy things and, and, you know, there's a formula, there's a style and we can get it all right and uh, we can do all the right things to please people and maybe build crowds and churches and this sort of stuff. But ultimately, it's about you and me. Ultimately, it's about what all of us do as the family of God. Karen referred to this 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read that. We'll throw it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And... It says uh, in verse 12 and 13, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one, whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptised into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. This is confirmation that it's not just for a select few. Preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, loving Performing miracles, doing good works, etc., etc., is not just for a few full-time paid people. Because to be honest with you, if it's just left to the full-time paid people, Jesus won't be coming back for another 13 million years. There's 7 billion people in the world approximately. Now, 1 to 2 billion of them profess to know God. Maybe half of them know Jesus. And, and so it's going to take a long time to get to the rest of them unless it becomes a priesthood of all believers. Unless we become miracle workers, unless we become, as it says in 1 Corinthians, and this is Paul's um, theology on this, we are all one body. We're all one body. All churches are one body. All Christians are one body. And we're all meant to function by the same spirit. Everyone has different gifts. It goes on to say, you know, in a lot of, uh, in the different passages uh, following on from this, we all have different gifts. We all maybe speak different languages. We have different styles, different mannerisms. Um, you know, think of it this way. Wouldn't it be incredible if just for one day you didn't care what anyone thought about you? Just for one day, 24 hours. If you stripped off every limitation if you took away every bit of rejection, every thought of man or woman or you know anyone else around you, think of what would be possible if we were to actually live like that. Now, in saying that, 
there's a whole lot of thoughts that come up. There's fears. There's, oh, man, I did that last time and they went wrong. And, but give yourself the freedom to be part of the body that actually activates thing in the, things in the kingdom. You will probably make mistakes. You might try and share the gospel with someone and you get an absolute slap back in the face. You get something quite opposite. It's okay. It's really okay. I was reading through Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, in the last few weeks, and I've been dwelling on this, and I'm sure this will turn into a, a, um, a uh, sermon in a few weeks' time, unless I give you all the good stuff right now. I was thinking about it, I was reading through it, and I was thinking about all the different things that, that Jesus states there, you know, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are this, blessed, you know, a lot of the lowly states of life, bless, um, you know, I won't, I won't go through the whole, whole drill, but when I was reading through all this stuff, I'm thinking Jesus is actually giving us a warning of a whole lot of things that we're, we're going to need to actually stand against. God wouldn't have allowed it to become Scripture if we weren't going to be persecuted, if we weren't going to be at times poor in spirit. If, if those things weren't actually going to be a part of our life, he wouldn't have actually said, you're going to be blessed if you actually Go through these things. So there'll be times where we actually face opposition, face challenges. We might face our own fears, our own depression, anxiety, self, um, you know, self negativity and, and rejection, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, if we can actually realize that it's not about anyone around us, it doesn't matter what they think, it doesn't matter their opinion of us, if we are truly of the same spirit, we actually will begin to activate the kingdom. And when, when Peter shared that, Karen and I were just sharing this week, and we realized that it's, it's a mandate for us. It's not a mandate for us just to meet on a Sunday. That, that's an event. An event isn't the kingdom. The kingdom is the priesthood of all believers rising up in our destiny in our calling, maybe in our little ways, maybe in our big ways, it doesn't really matter. However, he's gifted you for you to actually run in that anointing and not feel lesser than anyone else because it's going to have your flavor. It's going to have your style. But when we do that, actually realizing the kingdom can be released through me. You're probably going to surprise yourself. Many of you do this, you know, uh, in daily day-to-day life as it is, and it's great hearing those stories, but we felt to encourage our whole church family to rise up in this in a new, new way. And so whatever that looks like for you, go for it. Go for it. Be harvesters. Be harvesters of the field that he's given you. Share the gospel with those you can share the gospel. Love those you can. You know, sometimes it becomes really awkward. Sometimes we make a mistake. It's okay. As we step out, we learn maturity. We learn to walk in this stuff and we grow in it, don't we? Um, And listening to that small, small voice of the Spirit in our gut or in our conscience is really, really important. Sometimes um, He will stop us from making mistakes. He'll stop us from disasters. I want to tell you about a disaster because it's always good to know that um, I'm not perfect. I have to remind people of that regularly. But um, I remember about 10 years ago, I was, uh, we owned our company and um, I remember walking out to the factory. I'd won this particular job and it was for, uh, for the lead smelter up at Port Pirie and um, it was covering some tanks 
uh, filling in some, some gaps in a lid, okay? So it was kind of, uh, it, was, it was, actually, it, I, anyway, I won't go into too much detail, we'll get too technical. I was providing some, let's, let's call it um, sand and resin putty to fill in gaps on a tank, okay? And I remember when I'd, I'd won this job, I was already a little bit um, in, I was already a little bit, uh, what's, what's the word for it? I'm trying to think of the a savory word. Yeah, I was already in a little bit of trouble, let's put it like that, because I'd won this job and, um, and it didn't go so well. And so here's my repair of my already mistake. Do you ever find that? When you make a mistake, you have to add a few more mistakes to it to try and fix your original mistake. And it gets even worse when you should have just called... BS on it really early on and just, just said, I'm stopping right now, you know. Anyway, I didn't do that. I was trying to patch up some, some really big gaps in, a, in, a, in the tank lid and it was numerous gaps and we'd already sent everything up there. Anyway, so I walk out the factory and I can remember the moment when one of the guys came to me and he said, hey, you know, I don't know if the sand's quite dry enough to add the resin in and get this whole thing mixed now so that we can make the, the putty. And uh, I remember walking out there and that split second I could listen to my good conscience, the Holy Spirit, or I could try and band-aid it yet again and, and, and just sort of walk the way through. I remember thinking the great Aussie term, and this is not generally the Holy Spirit, She'll be right, mate. <laughs> and, and, so, and one of the things, one of the, let's say, the, the chemical aspects about resin is it hates water and fiberglass hates water in its curing process. Anyway, so I, I said to the guys, it's okay. Put the sand in the dryers. It'll, they'll be fine. Just put them in there and then we're going to send it to site. And, and we're going to go for it. So we put them in the dryers and um, I walk away going, oh, that's going to be fine. We'll just dry them. Not fully listening to that little feeling within. Anyway, so we sent the buckets and buckets of this dried sand um, up to site. And a couple of, um, or maybe a day later, I remember getting a call from the business owner of the guy trying to apply this stuff to fill in all of the holes. And he said, hey, it's not curing. This is not going off. What's What's, what's wrong? I said, oh, I'm not sure what's wrong. You know, um, we dried it. We did everything we could. And, you know, I'm just digging myself deeper and deeper into this thing. And anyway, he said, look, all right, we'll keep going. We'll keep trying. And so I've got him stuffing up his own labor force, trying to fix up my problem. And um, the next day he basically rings and said, look, we had to rip it all out. I don't know what was wrong with that stuff that you sent me, but it wouldn't go off. It wouldn't cure. And so we've made up our own and it's all fine. And um, anyway, so he had to send me a big check for all of the wasted time and all for the fact that I wouldn't listen to the Spirit for that split second. That split second. It has massive ramifications, doesn't it? Lives are broken by not listening to the Holy Spirit for that split second. Relationships are torn apart because of that. Debts are accrued. You know, I know all about that by not listening to that small voice just for a minute. And so if we catch things really early, God can grow things really big. 
If we don't catch things really early, even our own attitude, even our responses, uh, our, our mannerisms with other people or whatever it might be, uh, our, our situations where, as Peter shared last week, when we have pressure applied to us, what comes out? When we have pressure applied to us, what is our re- response or what is our reaction? Because that's normally what's stuffed within us. If we can operate in grace, if we can operate in love, if we can operate in a right manner, we can obviously attest to the fact that God's doing some good stuff in here. But if we still are agitated and we want to fight back and we want to get revenge and we want all of these things, then under that pressure cooker of stress, then that's what's within. So when we catch things early, catch it really early, We can then say, all right, Lord, I've caught that early. I don't want that. And then he multiplies good stuff. He gives us the benefits of our wisdom. He gives us, uh, if you like, um, an inheritance on our obedience. And there's nothing like good inheritance on our obedience. To summarize everything that we've really felt, it's almost a recommissioning a recommissioning. It's an empowerment to actually be who God's called you to be. You're no lesser than anyone else. No one else is better than you. Isn't that just a good thing? Some of you might need to write that on the back of the toilet this week. No one else is better than me. If you're obedient to Jesus, you're exactly where he wants you. You're exactly what he wants you to be doing, seeing, hearing, You don't need to strive. You don't need to, you know, beat yourself up. You don't need to question this or question that. If you think lesser of yourself, remember who you have inside of you. Remember who's within. And then then we begin to breathe in His attitude about ourselves. His eyes over us. His banner over us is love. He doesn't think lesser of you. He doesn't think down about you. He's not depressed because you're not doing what you think you should be doing. He's not even confused that you've made some mistakes. He's actually for you, not against you. He has weapons and armory ready to supply you on the basis of our obedience. Our obedience has a lot to do, I believe, with how much He'll promote, how much He'll release, how much He'll um, allow us to influence others. Now, some people get influenced anyway outside of Jesus, and that's okay. But our job is to be right with Him, isn't it? And so being a priesthood of all believers is every single person in the room, every single believer. Someone could be born again yesterday or maybe saved all their lives. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everyone is called to be empowered in Christ. Empowered in Christ. What does that look like this week for you? It looks completely different than someone else. So don't look at anyone else. Don't even worry about them because you might be, I don't know, you might be a sales rep driving around the country reasons. The only people you get to say hello to is every bakery from here to Port Pirie. But at least you have contact with people. We don't do the bakery stop off so much anymore. They're gluten houses, so it's not, it's not as fun anymore. But if you like bakeries, it, please enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it. Uh, we often say this, and, and the kids even say this now, but I mean, just meat pies are my weakness. And a Villy's meat pie, it's like, oh my goodness, so, so good. And I just, I just wish I reveled in it a little bit more for all those years. <laughs> but 
Anyway, it's completely off track. I think I've said enough, hey? Let's stand. It's, it's not in the priesthood textbook to finish with a Villy's pie analogy. <laughs> but I never read it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> just lift your hands. Oh, Karen's going to come up and we're just going to recommission, just a prophetic act of recommissioning all of us in the kingdom, in the harvest field, in uh, your gifting, in your calling, in your anointing, in your specific anointing, because you have a special source, as Leif Hetland says. You have a special source and it's just your name. No one else has that name. No one else has those fingerprints. It's your special source. And you, you're needed in the kingdom. You're needed in the harvest field. Your gifts and talents. People are, are, are waiting for connection with you, just you and your gifting and what you can say to them. And so we want to just prophesy and release a, a fresh commissioning and a fresh anointing over this whole house today. Yeah, so Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for every single person here this morning. Lord, we pray that there will be a fresh touch of your spirit upon us today, a fresh touch of your commissioning voice over us that already says, well done, well done. You've made it this far. You've made it this far. Lord, we pray that your voice would silence every negative voice, every depression, every fear in Jesus' name. Lord, every opposing thing to your voice, Lord, we pray silenced over our people today. And we pray for a fresh anointing of evangelism, a fresh anointing of your word, your love, your works, your helps, all the different gifts and talents in your kingdom. Lord, we just pray by your spirit, be released today. Be released today.